Welcome to Maple Grove. Welcome to week seven of Pray for One. And, and yes, I am pumped and I'm excited that you're here this morning as we continue this conversation about praying for one. If you would turn to the person to your right and left and tell them, man, I'm glad you're here. That's right. All right. Ain't nobody glad I'm here? Oh, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I understand that this conversation in prayer is having a huge impact on his church, belongs to him, at 3210 Prophet Road. As, it, as Pray for One is beginning to change the very DNA of some Jesus followers in this very room, such that the gospel is becoming each day's destination. Uh, brothers and sisters, think about that. What would it look like if the gospel What's your primary destination every day? I mean, what, what would it look like if you woke up tomorrow and you said, hey, God, thanks for another day. Glad I'm breathing. You know, I'm glad to got my heart pumping. And, and uh, today I'm yours. And God, how can I advance your gospel today? God, God how, how can I move your kingdom forward today? I mean, what would your day look like if you make the gospel each day's destination? And, and like I said, it's impossible to engage our hearts and our minds on this simple prayer, on these Sunday conversations, and on these pray for one readings, and, and, not, be, and not be convicted, not, not be challenged, and not be changed. Amen? Amen. And I, I want to read a few quotes from the, uh, from the book Pray for One. I think we have a few more copies left. We, we got 350. They're almost gone already. Um, great book. And this is from chapter 10, a really good chapter called A Tale of two kingdoms. Here's what Bo writes. Every day you're faced with a critical choice. Whose kingdom will you build? Your life will be spent on one of two pursuits. You will either live to build your personal kingdom or you will live to build Christ's eternal kingdom. If you long to build God's kingdom, you must make this choice each and every day. The universal reality of sin and the falling nature of humanity set our default choice to be personal kingdom building. The prevailing attitude of our culture all center on selfishness, greed, and self-glorification. Failing to build Christ's kingdom intentionally will lead automatically to the secondary pursuit of looking out for number one. Our world constantly projects the self-serving message, look out for number one. If we do not actively submit to Jesus and his mission, we easily slip back into the nature of sin and selfishness. The beauty of praying for one is that it causes us to actively choose to participate in building God's kingdom. I like this here. The phrase, look out for number one, takes on a whole new meaning for followers of Jesus. We are blissfully aware that each one is one more for Jesus that he died for. E each one is one more for the kingdom of heaven. We're always on the lookout for number one. But the focus is decidedly off of self and fixed on finding one more for Jesus. When you pray for one... You make the conscious choice to build Christ's kingdom. If you fail to make this choice, your life will go into default mode and you'll build a worthless temporary kingdom for self. It's important to take inventory of your life on a regular basis. Ask the Lord to search your heart and reveal what you are living for. Dig deep and examine your baseline motivations. What drives you? What compels you to action? What excites you? What stories do you long to tell? What is your predominant prayer? 
One of, the, one of the best diagnostic questions to ask is, am I available to the Lord? There's a strong temptation to compartmentalize our lives. We set aside specific times that are available to serve Jesus. If Jesus calls us to action during what we have deemed to be his time, then we jump at the opportunity and faithfully serve. But if he calls during a predetermined break, then he's going to have to wait. <laughs> Problem is that Jesus does not wait. And if we refuse to do his work, the task will go undone. Constant availability is the foundational principle for following Christ. When he says go, we go. When he says speak, we speak. When he says jump, we do not waste time on silly questions like how high. We just jump and depend on Jesus to do the rest. God is not cool with unavailability. Great chapter. And here are a few questions in our Pray for One Devo. You can get that on our website or prayforone.com. And doesn't matter what day you're on, you're never behind. Just jump in that day, whatever day that happens to be. But here's some of the questions that we've been um, answering in our devotion. What are some things that churches have been afraid to change in order to reach other people? Here's another question. Do you have any fears about praying for one? Are you afraid of who God might ask you to share his love with? Or the sacrifices you might need to make? Is obedience to Christ worth the cost? Why or why not? Is God using you to make more disciples? If so, how? If not, why not? What percentage of your time is spent seeking God's will versus asking God to do your will? What do you think about the idea that God would wreck your kingdom to build his eternal kingdom? What could that look like? And the last question. Can you say with confidence that God has an all-access pass to your life? Is there anything that is off limits? Why or why not? Again, thought-provoking, soul-reflecting, life-altering, story-changing, transformational, more people in the kingdom of God's stuff. Amen? I mean, this is great stuff. And now the purpose of this Pray for One series, as we said many, 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 many times before, is to align our heart with the heartbeat of God. It is for us to be laser-focused on our mission it's for us to make the gospel each day's definition. It's for us to not merely just be talking about our one job, but for us to actually be doing our one job. Brothers and sisters, we have one job. To bring God's tired, weary, lost, broken, hopeless, and harassed children back home. Amen? And despite all the distractions out there, we have one job. And now it's time. For some, you had one job, pictures. You had one job, right? All right, okay, I, what, what's in that thing? I don't know. You had one job, all right, okay, you had one job. There's a lot of spelling problems. You had one job, all right, that, okay, that's terrible, that's terrible. Imagine if that was your car, Bob, that'd be upsetting. You had one job, Mr. Stairmaster, right? I like this one here. You had one job, put the price label on the book, right? Cooking your dog, tasty, healthy, and safe recipes, right? It's like, wait a second, that's terrible, we're going to cook our dog. I, I like mine barbecued, you know, going to marinate it, and obviously I got to throw a toilet in there every week, right? You know, you had one job, and hey, you know what, they made it work, right? Well, just cut the door, right? 
Okay, I, I love these pictures. You know, my email is steve at thegroveseville.org. If you find some good ones, uh, send them to me, you know, so I can use them next week. Um, I, I'm running out of new ones. Okay, uh, question as followers of Jesus as a church, w- what is our one job? It, it is to seek and save the lost. It is to make disciples. It's to, it's to be as witnesses. And understand, our, our one job of, of, of bringing heaven to earth, of living out our lives in such a way that the earth is made a better place, our, our, our one job of, of bringing heaven to earth and bringing earth to heaven, that is, taking as many people with us across the finish line, our, our one job, having that one job, is the only reason why we're still here after Jesus Christ has saved us. And listen, if we as a church fail to do our one job, and if you as an individual Jesus follower fail to do your one job, Nothing else you do matters. Tell the person to your right and left, you have one job. And now tell them, get on it. <laughs> get on it. Okay. And, and, and what we've been talking about in the series is some, you know, some practical action steps that we can take so that we actually are doing our one job. And, and the first action step is to pray, is to pray for one. Lord, Let's say that together on three. One, two, three. Lord, give me one person that I can share your love with today. Question, are, are, are you praying that prayer? Are you praying it daily? Are, are you praying it often? Are you praying it with your heart and with your eyes open, expecting God to actually answer that prayer? You know, I, I have a one that I, I, think, I think this guy may be the one, one of my ones, and this person was not even on my radar, you know, seven weeks ago. But I'm thinking, you know what, he, he, I was telling his wife, you know, he, he, he could be the one. He could be the one. I, I think he is. Uh, the second action step is to connect. It, it, it's to become very intentional uh, about building relationships with people who are far from Christ, right? Becoming their friend. Not to get a notch in your, in your Bible, but becoming, becoming their friend. Because the truth is, if you and I, as Christ followers, do not have any relationships with people outside of Christ, then we will never reach them for Christ. Question, what new relational connections have you made during the last several weeks? If you haven't made any, get on it, right? Um, the third action step is to serve, is to, is to see people, is to see our ones through the lens of compassion. Uh, to see them as sheep who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Bottom line, serve is about seeing a need, and when we do, we stop, we drop, get off our donkey, and we share, all right? And, and the fourth action step is to share. Share what? Share our faith, the faith, to share the gospel, to share Christ. And, and, and we talked about six action steps, right? Or six principles for sharing our faith. The first one being that, that we don't have to know everything, right? And yeah, good, right? You don't know everything. And, and, and sometimes the best three words in, in, in sharing our faith is, I don't know, right? I, I don't know why God didn't heal the cancer, right? I, I don't know why your husband left you. I, I don't know why that drunk driver crossed the yellow line and read head on into the car, and now your loved one is a quadriplegic. I, I don't know, but I know this. I know who Jesus is, and always done for me. Number two, second principle is that we don't have to be perfect. God uses sinners to reach lost people because it's all he's got, right? And number three, we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit about timing, right? Is this a good time to share your truth? 
Number four, we must never lose our sense of urgency. You know, if someone we know is outside of Christ, then they face a crisis eternity, right? You know, they're on a sinking ship, and we need to get them off because we don't know when the boat is going down. Number five, it's not always about scoring a touchdown, right? What I mean by that is, you know what, we just move the person as far along as God wants us to move them along. And if it's just 10 yards and it's 10 yards, someone else comes and shares their faith and they, they move them across midfield. But always it's God's the one that makes it grow. And then we must always be prepared, prepared to tell our story and prepared to tell God's story. And as far as God's story, there, there, are, there are four truths that our, our ones need to know about God's story. And, and truth number one is they need to know that, that God loves them and has an awesome plan for their life. Truth number two is they need to know that is that sin keeps people from experiencing God's love and God's plan. You know, they don't know. They're like, they're like, no one's ever really loved me unconditionally. You're telling me this God of the universe loves me unconditionally and wants to be in a relationship with me, not for what he can get, but what he's going to give to me and that he has a plan for my life. A lot of people do not know that. Truth number three is that Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin. Amen? That, that, that's a good deal. If you didn't know it, turn to the person in your life and say, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. All right. And truth number four, the gift of salvation is available to everyone. Now this week we're going to talk about the, uh, the fifth and, and final um, action step, and, and that is grow in a conversation called Be the Branch. Before we do that, I've asked several people to come up and to, to share their story, and they're making their way up even as I speak. Um, they're sharing their story, and they're walking up here um, even as I speak, okay? Okay? We're missing our lady. Where'd she be? Is she in here? Uh, Karen Turner. What's up with that? You were so engriffed by my talking and teaching, you just, all right. All right, and, and these, they're going to share the story using that basic format we said, right? You know, the elevator speech, before, after, and Christ. Hi, I'm Karen. Ah, okay. <laughs> this is getting more embarrassing by the minute. Okay, so um, I always knew about Jesus when I was growing up, but I didn't really understand the whole idea of a relationship with God and what that meant. And as I got older, I always said I believed in God, but I never really showed my faith through my actions. And when I was in middle school, I began attending the youth group here and then eventually Sunday mornings. And right around that time, I actually fell into a period of depression, and I began hurting myself to try to cope with the way I was feeling. And I was actually baptized in ninth grade, but I didn't understand that that meant that Satan would try to attack me even more after being baptized. Um, so my depression worsened, and I found a new form of self-hatred, and I actually stopped eating. And if I'm going to be honest, I'm still in awe of the way that I recovered. I truly believe that it must have been him and him alone who pulled me out. Whether I wanted to or not, I could no longer fight the urge to eat, and I randomly began to eat normally, and the depression went away along with my hunger. And my experiences have helped me understand that prayer really does work, God moves in unbelievable ways, and that he will save me when I no longer have the strength or the will to save myself. I am now able to show the awesome love and power of God through what he has done for me. 
Some days are still harder than others, and I still struggle sometimes, but I know that if he could get me through everything that I've been through, I can get through anything with him. God is good. Hi, I'm Todd. Thank you. Um, I grew up in a good home with two loving parents. Uh, They taught me about right and wrong. Uh, They took me to church and taught me about the love of Jesus. I had a mostly happy childhood, but life was all about me and what made me happy. I was headed in a direction that would have taken me down a path of disappointment, seeking fulfillment in things that could not last. Uh, When I was still a child, one day it occurred to me that I could not depend on my parents' protection forever or piggyback on their faith as a way into God's favor. So I asked Jesus to come into my life and guide me for the rest of my days. Um, Before this moment, I knew about Jesus and believed in him, but I was not willing to follow him with everything I had. Since then, my life has been more about putting others before myself instead of just doing what made me happy all the time. The hope that I have now has carried me safely through many difficult circumstances, from losing loved ones to being deployed into a combat zone for a year. I'm still far from perfect, but I know that Jesus is with me and will always be there for me no matter what happens. Good morning. My name is Bob, and this is my faith story. Hi, everybody. I've gone through two sea state changes in my faith life, once as a 10-year-old and again as a 64-year-old. Both times I felt disconnected from Christ and the Church. My inner voice, which I now realize was the Holy Spirit, was telling me there was a void in my faith life that I needed to fill in order to give my life direction and purpose. Both times it was the Church that poured God's love and grace into my mind, heart, and soul until they overflowed with the joy of being part of His body here on earth. Led by that inner voice, I woke up one Sunday morning, walked to the nearest church, and at the age of ten began a journey that five years later resulted in my surrendering my life to Christ. And that was as a result of a nurturing and caring adult and youth church community. That church environment resulted in me and my parents joining the body of Christ and me being baptized. Fifty-plus years later, as I drifted away from the church, Dan McLish asked me to join him in attending a National Day of Prayer at our work. That simple invitation brought me physically, mentally, and spiritually to a place where I experienced the Holy Spirit moving me back into a close relationship with God. On that day, I was Dan McLish's one. Steve Malone was God's extension cord. That message he preached that day shocked me out of my spiritual coma and started me and my wife, Chris, joining the body of Christ here at Maple Grove. Three years and one month ago to the day, Chris and I walked through those doors and into the welcoming arms of Maple Grove, and our lives were changed forever. Since being welcomed into the body of Christ at Maple Grove and surrendering my life to Christ, I have become more loving toward my wife and children, more compassionate toward others, 
more giving of my time and money to the Church and others, eager to learn more about God's Word, accepting of His unconditional gift of grace for my past sins and ultimately my salvation. I feel a purposeful peacefulness in my life that I have at long last arrived at the place God planned for me. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 God is good. Uh, check out Matthew 28. Um, these words set up our conversation today on grow. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Okay, imagine your reaction if someone came back from the dead to speak to you. Seriously, try to imagine that right now. What would you feel? How intensely would you listen? How seriously would you take his or her words? Maybe grow. think about what this must have been like for the disciples. I mean, they, they were working their everyday jobs when a mysterious teacher asked them to follow him. And as they followed, they saw him challenge religious leaders, embrace sinners, heal the sick, and even raise the dead. They knew that this was not an ordinary man. Now, at various times it, and in, to varying degrees, people saw Jesus as a Messiah who would bring salvation for God's people, but Jesus still never quite fit into anyone's expectation of what the Messiah should do and say. And, and listen, disciples walk with Jesus through all of this. Uh, they watched as the blind were given sight. They, they heard Jesus forgive the hopelessly unrighteous, and, and they saw him restore the lives of the broken, and they, they helped Jesus pass out bread and fish as he multiplied food and fed crowds into the thousands. Sure, the disciples seemed to have been aware of Jesus' identity at some points. Then at other times, they, they were often confused about who Jesus really was, Yet nevertheless, they followed him until the end, believing that he was the one who would restore the fortunes of God's people, and then he died. And just like that, it was over. Uh, it, it seemed as if Jesus could do absolutely everything. I mean, he had the power over, over sickness, over death, over every person and everything. And by this power, Jesus was bringing the healing and the restoration that the world so desperately needed. That is why the disciples' hopes of a better world died when Jesus was nailed to the cross. And the disciples spent three days in confusion and disillusionment. I mean, everything they had hoped for was gone. Or hoped in was gone. Ever been there? Yeah, perhaps they felt that they had wasted their time following this mysterious person for three years. Ever felt that way? But then it happened. He came back from the dead. I understand when Jesus reappeared on the third day, all their hopes came rushing back in. And yes, now there was no doubt in their minds whatsoever that things were going to get better. 
I mean, if Jesus had conquered sin and death, he would certainly fix this broken world. Uh, understand, G- Jesus' guys were convinced that Jesus would now accomplish what everybody was longing to see, what, what they were longing to see. There would be no stopping Jesus now, or so they thought. But once again, Jesus surprised everyone. Instead of telling them that he would immediately transform the earth, Jesus gave his disciples one final command, and then he ascended into heaven, and just like that, out of nowhere, he was gone. I understand, his guys had no idea that that was going to happen. They thought he was going to be with them to get this thing rolling. And what was that command? Essentially, Jesus told them, hey, I need you guys to finish what I started. Uh, Their job was to take the message of grace and redemption and forgiveness that Jesus declared through his death, burial, and resurrection and spread that throughout the world. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And notice that Jesus said they would go and, and make, not, not converts, not converts, uh, not, not church members, not, not, not church attenders, they were to go and make disciples. Good question, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Now the answer is fairly simple, but if we embrace it, it will change our lives completely. The word disciple refers to being a student or an apprentice. Disciples in Jesus' day would follow the rabbi, which means teacher, wherever he went, learning from the rabbi's teachings and doing whatever the rabbi did. Now, when Jesus called his first disciples, they had no idea of where Jesus would take him, take them or what the impact would be on their lives. However, they knew what it meant to follow. And they took Jesus' call literally and began going wherever Jesus went and doing whatever Jesus did. Maple Grove, Jesus came to make disciples. That's it. Again, he, he didn't come to make church members. He didn't come to make Christians. He didn't come to make converts. He came to make people who would follow him and become like him. That's what a disciple is. You see, it's impossible to be a disciple, a follower of someone, and not wind up becoming like that person. Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 6, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's fully trained, will what? Will be like his teacher. And that's the point of being a disciple of Jesus. We learn from him. We imitate him. We carry on his ministry, and then we become like him in the process. Get it? Good. Good. Good question. Why should we be? more like Jesus. Yeah, sure, living like Jesus is, is the best way to live. That's obvious, but why else? Okay, here's the deal. When we die, we're going to be perfect. But listen, our being closer to perfection here on earth is not going to make it faster, better, or easier for us when we get to heaven. Understand, our works here mean nothing for our perfection there. So why then should we grow? Because it's not until you grow that you will be able to do what? Bear fruit. I'm anything but a gardener. I cut my grass and I weed whack. That's it. That's the extent, right? I got it four times this year because of the rain, and I'm kind of okay with that, right? Um, This little thing here tells me it could be lying to me. This is a cherry tomato plant, right? Um, But for this little booger, right, to to produce cherry tomatoes, it's going to have to what? 
It's going to have to grow, right? It's going to have to grow. You see, and fruit is the natural, is the natural outcome of growth. In a lot of ways, when people are just converts, they're, they're like this plant, right? You know, they're, they're not going to produce any fruit. Jesus came to make disciples. And here, here's the bottom line. Our own growth and helping our, our ones grow is a key to you and I completing our mission, our one job. And listen, it, it is never okay to help someone find Jesus and then just drop them. No, our mission does not stop at helping people find Jesus. Instead, our mission continues as we help people become like Jesus. Our mission does not stop in just helping people find Jesus. Our mission continues as we help people become like Jesus. I understand for years there's been this debate or struggle in the church. Should we be a church that is passionate about reaching lost people, or should we be a church that's passionate about helping believers grow deeper in their faith. And oftentimes the pendulum swings to one extreme or the other as churches decide whether to focus on discipleship or on evangelism. But listen, it's not an either or, it's a both and. The question, should Maple Grove be passionate about evangelism or discipleship? Yes, we should, about both. And, and, and you know what the key to both evangelism and discipleship is? Relationship, which is why the church's mission and one job has not always gone so well. You see, the fundamental problem with the way the mission has been happening in the U.S. is that relationship is missing many times. You see, to some, relationship is optional in helping people find Jesus. And to many, Relationship is optional after someone finds Jesus. Okay, now you found Jesus, you'll be okay. Now, certainly there are times in your life when God just lines someone up for you, right? Like he did for Philip with the Ethiopian dude, right, last week. I mean, he literally pops somebody into your life. You, you've never built a relationship, but all of a sudden you're sitting next to them on a plane or, or, or at a table at Starbucks, and you begin to have a spiritual conversation. But even in those situations, there's, it's never an excuse for us to bring someone to Jesus and then leave them on their own. I mean, could you imagine a, a mother giving birth to a child and then just walking away and say, hey, good luck. You know, here's our address. You know, hope you make it there. You know, and even if that mom was like, you know, you know, took her prenatal vitamins and ate well, didn't smoke, did all that stuff you're supposed to do, right, during the birth process, but turned and walked away once that child was born, we would not say that was a good mom, would we? Right? We just don't help people find Jesus and then leave them. That's why the mandate is not to make converts, right, but to make disciples. And so how do we grow? So we can become more like Jesus and produce fruit. Now I want to wrap up this by answering this question of how do we grow? How do we grow ourselves and how do we help others grow? And really the answer is fairly simple, pretty basic. It's as basic as one of my favorite go-to sandwiches, right? PBJ, right? Nothing like it, right? I mean, you get that milk sometimes, don't know what to eat, haven't forgot to take stuff out of the refrigerator, you grab you some milk, you grab you some bread, right? 
three ingredients is all you need, right? You got, oh, look at that jelly, you know, and I got some jelly here. I actually got jelly, but I actually prefer jam because jelly just like tears your bread up like crazy, right? You try to be good with it, and it got holes in it, and then it leaks out on you, and it's a mess, right? But, but you know, um, and then Jif, right? Choosy mothers, right? I choose Jif, right? And, and, but you have these three ingredients, and, and if you and I want to grow, there's really just three ingredients that will help us grow in our, in our faith. Um, the P in uh, PBJ uh, stands for people. And some people are hungry and want to make a sandwich. Feel free, go grab a knife and if you feel, feel no, don't do that. Um, uh, people, we need people. God never intended for us to live the Christian life by ourselves. He doesn't want us to follow Him on our own. It's it's not God's desire that you and I go through difficulties and hardships and struggles and storms and challenges all by ourselves. I understand it wasn't easy to follow Jesus in the first century. Times were tough, persecution was rampant, but the early believers were bound together in fellowship, in a community. They were there for each other. They were connected to each other. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. And that, that word devoted is a word that means adhere to a strength, you know, gorilla glue, right? It's taking over for super glue, right? You know, they, they, they were... They were Connected together. It's not a loose connection, and it's in the present tense. It's an ongoing process. They continually adhere to each other. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching, which is the, which is the B in PBJ. We'll get to that in a moment. And to the fellowship. It's that word koinea. You've been around a church for all, most of us have been in a koinea class somewhere, right? You know, and it means fellowship. It means to share, to have in common, to participate with, to be a family in every sense of the word. And listen, it was in this interconnection that these believers, like, like, like uh, towering redwoods, found their strength and stability. Like, that's a big tree, I'm just saying, right? I, I've seen them jokers before, right? I mean, I'm counting like, like eight people, right? And they're not even around the whole tree yet, right? Uh, you know, these are some of the tallest things on the planet. They can be 300 feet high. Some are 2,500 years old. And you would think a tree that high would have like, man, it, those roots got to go down deep, right? It's got to have a, a deep root system. But actually, redwoods have a very shallow root system. But they have a very interconnected root system. See, what happens is the roots all intertwine and connect with each other. You know, these 300-foot trees, how, you know how, how they stand and stay up? Because they're each holding each other up. Bottom line, these redwoods, they need each other to survive. And so do we. It's not easy to be a Jesus follower in our day either. Discouragement, temptation, sin, apathy, failure, materialism, difficulty, unbelieving family and friends, doubts, rejection, unanswered questions, and unanswered prayers constantly beat against our lives. And that is why Jesus created the church. Mighty redwoods of interconnection that have stood tall for 2,000 years. And listen, when we simply think of church as a building, we totally miss the point. If you were to walk up to Jesus today and say, Jesus, where's the church? He would not point to a building and he would not give you an address. Instead, he would explain to us that 
The church is this massive group of people, his body, a family, living on this planet. People who fear him, who follow him, who are faithful to him, who are filled with the spirit, who are going out and being salt and light into this world. You see, part of Jesus' plan for our growth was in his fellowship, community, was for people to do life together. Now, that's why our number three core value at Maple Grove is we do life together. Again, looks good on the banner, but it's useless unless we're doing it, right? We value community at our church. That's why we have life groups here. See, learning happens in a classroom, but spiritual growth usually happens in the context of community. Question, are you trying to become who God created you to be on your own? In the words of our modern-day theologian, Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? It's not. Because that's not how God wired the system. Check out these words that God breathed through Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. In him, the whole building is joined together. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. Bottom line, we and our ones need people to grow. Get it? Good. The next ingredient in our PBJ is the B. And the B stands for Bible, God's Word. I, I, I love this book. I love this book. I, I need this book. I, I, am, I am amazed by this book. Hey, check out what this book says about itself. Second Timothy. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, uses this book to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I love this book. I love what this book says in Isaiah 55 about itself. One of my favorite passages. The rain and snow come down from the heavens. Certainly does, doesn't it? And stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow. Producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I wanted to and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Peter, that fisherman, said this about God's word. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. I mean, we look at people and think, wow, that's awesome, right? Look how they live. Look where they live. Look at what they have. Look what they accomplish. Aren't they amazing? Aren't they the greatest? Whatever, right? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains for how long? Forever. And, and that word is the good news that was preached to you. Like, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you will grow up in your salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you know and taste it that the Lord is good. Bottom line, you can't and won't grow without this book. You cannot grow and you will not grow without this book. That's a promise. And that's why everyone needs to regularly read the Bible. 
And here's how it works. When you read the Bible, you're asking the Holy Spirit. <coughs> when you read, you're asking the Holy Spirit, God without a body that is in you and around you to guide you. You're asking God's Spirit to use God's Word, that's the Bible, to guide you and direct you. You read out of anticipation, not obligation. You, you're looking for a message from God in this book. And God, I, I need to hear your voice. I need, to, I need to hear your words. What do you want to say to me, God? Looking for something from God, a message from God. What do you need to do? What do you need to change? What, what do you need to stop doing? What attitude is missing? What values need to be added to your life? What promises do you need to hold on to at this point? What, what do you need to understand about God the Father, God the Son, or God the Spirit in order that you may deepen your relationship with them? I love this book, man. I need this book, man. I am lost without this book, man. I am tossed about the winds and the waves without this book. But when I'm in this book, man, I, I get hope. Now, I, I've been reading Luke, Luke uh, Gospel of Luke since like the last six weeks, and I'm only up to like middle of chapter four, and it's just so much stuff. And, and, and I read these, one, these words, um, it's, uh, I actually wrote it right here, on five. Uh, yeah, Luke 1, verse 45, and, and Elizabeth is talking to Mary and Joseph, I mean, John the Baptist in her belly just started doing somersaults, and you ladies probably know what that feels like, you know, and, 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 and Mary, Elizabeth talks to Mary and says this, she says, yeah, Mary, you're blessed, and that word means, you know, it's a state of mind, you know, joy, contentment happiness and peace. Mary, you are blessed. You know why she was blessed? Here's just next. Because you believed that God would do what God said. Wow. You see, see, if you want peace and I want peace and contentment, right? All we have to do is what? Believe that God would do what he said he would do, right? He said he would work all things out together for good of those who love and are called according to his purpose, right? He, he said that, right? And when we believe that God will do what he said he would do, it will give us hope. And that morning I read that, I was like, hallelujah, praise God. I love the word. PBJ. People, Bible. And the J is for Jesus. You got it. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. Right? What are the chances of this ever growing a cherry tomato? And it, who thinks it is? If it is, they got swap land, swap land to sell you in Death Valley, right? You know, it's not going to happen, right? It's just not going to happen. If it's sever, a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. What fruit is he talking about? Now, people like to debate, right? Well, is it the fruit of the Spirit, or is it, or is it the fruit of making disciples? Yes, <laughs> right? That's what it is. It's both. Yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, when you, when you start looking more and more like Jesus, right, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. When you're making disciples, it says, then you're my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. And there's a simple and clear truth in these words recorded by John. 
in Christ we will grow. Now, sometimes we want to make it about a class or a curriculum that we got to look at or work our way through. But really, all those things should ever be as a means to what must be the main objective, which is for us to be more closely connected to Jesus. Everything is about being connected to Jesus. You see, a, you know, as I like to say, you know, a, a, a branch on a vine has no choice, right? It's going to grow, cherry tomatoes. A, 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 a branch on the ground has what? Has no chance, right? Has no chance. Has no chance. So a simple challenge to us is be the branch. Be the branch. Because growth is always a byproduct of this connection. Now, sometimes we think that, that if we could just grow, then we'll be connected to Jesus. It's like this guy down here. Right? You know, if I could just grow some tomatoes, you know, then I could go back and be connected to that vine, right? No. You know, no. Get connected to Jesus, right? Then you grow, right? You know, Jesus is how we grow, right? It's where it happens. So again, be the branch. Turn to the person to your right and left and tell them, be the branch. Be the branch. And help your one be the branch also. By embracing PBJ. Every time you eat a PBJ, I want you to think about, wow, you know what? You know, do I have people in my life that are helping me grow? Have, have, I, have I been in the Word? And, and, and am I connected or, or am I disconnected, right? Because this time tomorrow, this little booger is not going to be looking so good, right? You know, it's going to be all, it's all shriveled up and dead, right? But every time you eat a PBJ, right? If you have those things in your life, and I have those things, we will grow. And how do we know if we're growing? We look more like Jesus, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, um, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? Those become a part of our life, and we are making disciples. Okay, so what are the action steps for doing our one job? Pray, connect, serve, share, and grow. And, and, now, and understand that praying for one is not about us taking, necessarily taking one person through all five action steps, right? You know, it's not about a checklist. It's not about a set-in-stone flow chart. I mean, there may be times that, that you actually connect and serve somebody, but then someone else actually shares their story and God's story. Or, 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 or maybe somebody else has already connected and served that person, and then you have the opportunity to be the one sharing, right? But, but that, that, that's, what it's, that's what it's all about. And here's the bottom line. Authentic Jesus followers love God, love others, And reproduce spiritually. They love God, they love others, and they reproduce spiritually. You know, and and, and reproduction is exciting, right? Right? I mean, it, it, the birth of a child, right? That's pretty exciting. You know, if I really cared about gardening and I had a tomato in here, right? You know, I'd be pretty excited, right? Like, whoa, I got a tomato. You know, yes, the farmer, right? Reproduction is exciting. You know, as a disciple maker. Reproduction is exciting. Ask Jesus. Reproduction is exciting. Pray.
connect, serve, share, and grow will help us do our one job. Now, what we're doing in our service, I'm explaining it for like three weeks in a row, is you've heard the word, you worship, now so what, right? It's time for our response. And every week, one way we respond to the word and worship is by taking communion. Remembering Jesus' broken body and shed blood. And we have four communion stations set up against the wall. Um, if you don't see a little cracker, don't be freaked out, it's there. It's actually under the cup, okay? We actually have two cups, and the, the cracker's in the bottom cup, all right? So if you're like, where's your cracker? Okay, it's there. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it's more sanitary, right? Because if you're in the back row, by the time you get your cracker, man, like 40 people have already handled that cracker if we got to you, right? You, you may not want to think about that, just tell you. Now I tell you since we got a, a different plan, right? Um, and so we respond by remembering what Jesus did. And we respond by giving our offering. There's offering boxes there. You know, and we give our offering, you know, ultimately we, we got to know what it's for. We give our offering so that there's, there will be more people in the kingdom of heaven. That's why we give, right? To see more people saved. Um, we can also respond, right? If you notice, we have that big number one on both sides. And many people have walked up and they wrote the name of someone they know that is lost. That if Jesus came today, these are people that would not spend an eternity with Jesus, right? And maybe God has put a one on your heart. You know, once you name it, right, you take responsibility for it. If you know someone, you can do that. We have a wall up here where people have responded to the word and worship by saying, hey, I, I will pray for one. And maybe God leads you to do one of those two things. Maybe you walk by and you pray for one of those lost people. Or, or, or you pray for someone in there that, man, help this person continue to pray for one. If you're here today and you've never surrendered to Christ, you want to talk to me about what that is, how you do that, man, I'll be up here to, as, as we uh, stand. And the way it works, and again, as soon as I'm done praying, you guys go and respond. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we've been able to worship you. God, we thank you that uh, you love us and you redeemed us and you saved us. We thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. We thank you that you blessed us and enabled us to give back to your work so that there could be more people in the kingdom of heaven. And God, I pray that if you place on our hearts that there's somebody, Lord, that you want us to reach, that lost person, maybe, they're, maybe they, we work with them, Lord. They live across the street from us. We've, we've been classmates for years. Whatever it is, God, Lord, I pray we respond in Jesus' name. Amen.